market rate, £3,000 a day. Were you signing Lionel Messi? This is First Minister's questions. Just once, just once it would be nice to get a First Minister's answer. Any political party in this chamber that was confident in their arguments around independence would not be desperate to deny the people of Scotland the right to make that choice. The Steamy, a laudable production for the Scotsman. Hello and welcome to The Steamy, the Scotsman's political podcast. My name's Connor Matchett. I am the deputy political editor of the paper. And with me this week, as always, is Alistair Grant, the political editor of the paper. Alistair, how are you this fine morning? I say it's fine morning. I'm in Elbrowth which is uh, why if you at home and listening can hear any seagulls, um, it's not because I'm holding one hostage. Uh, but how are yeah, you? I'm good. I mean, just to paint a picture for the, for the listener, because <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can see Connor in, on my screen and he's sitting in a kind of beautiful seaside bench. There's blue skies behind him. Uh, so what are you doing in our broth? I mean, this is possibly the most picturesque place that we've ever recorded the steamy in. Um, the, the weather is absolutely stunning, but uh, we're up here today due to Hamza Youssef deciding that he is going to have a keynote speech. Um, I don't know what it would have been if it wasn't a keynote speech, but it's a keynote speech on uh, his uh, strategy for independence, um, shockingly close to where the Declaration of Arbroath was signed all those many years ago. Um, I tell you what, he's picked a day for it. I can actually see Fife um, from where I'm sat, which I think in this part of the world is a rarity. Um, It's absolutely stunning, and it's actually quite warm. So I'm not I'm not angry at all about having to be up here. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> um, let's get cracking. We're going to hear from Alex Brown, our Westminster correspondent, later on about all things Westminster. It's been a busy week down there as well. Um, but let's kick it off with the SNP leadership contest, which is ongoing. We've had a full week now of proper, full-on campaigning. We've even had a Hustings event. We've got TV debates lined up next week. Alistair, give us your take on where we are kind of one week in looking at all three candidates across the board. Yeah, so I think it's been interesting because the leadership campaign is now well underway uh, and we've got them coming out with their different visions for Scotland, their different visions for independence, their different policies. Um, So I think on policies, you know, it's been quite interesting. All the candidates have said, you know, for example, they want to uh, pause or change the deposit return recycling scheme. Um, they've all said they want to, or, or signalled that they're open to rethinking the National Care Service, which is a flagship SNP policy under Nicola Sturgeon. Kate Forbes spoken about that in particular detail this week. I was up in Inverness for an event she did at Highland Home Carers headquarters, where she was talking about the importance of avoiding a overly centralised approach in that National Care Service. So she was saying that she's committed to the idea of it. She's committed to the proposal itself, but she wants to rethink aspects of it. And she doesn't want money to get caught up in bureaucracy, essentially. And she was also talking about uh, a plan to move towards a £15 minimum wage for carers, which has been a a kind of long-standing labour policy, actually, which Kate Forbes has not supported in the past as finance secretary, as Labour were quick to point out. Um, But yeah, I think it's significant that she's saying that now. And you've got Hamza Youssef talking about... uh, kind of massive expansion, a massive rollout of free childcare. So I think he was talking about free early learning, early learning, sorry, for all one and two year olds uh, for up to 22 hours a week. It's obviously a huge expansion of the existing policy for primarily three and four year olds. 
Uh, and we had Ash Regan uh, talking about various things, but probably perhaps most significantly talking about her currency plans, which I think to say the least raised a few eyebrows. Uh, she was saying that an independent Scotland could move to a new currency within months. So she wants to do this fast. And she doesn't have those kind of cautious tests that Nicola Sturgeon had put in place through her kind of currency vision. So we're all, we're beginning to get into the kind of nitty gritty of this. Um, and I think it's interesting when you look at their overall visions for Scotland, because there is clear differences between them. So Hamza Yusuf obviously setting himself up as the continuity candidate, albeit he wants to make clear that he would do some things differently. He's not just going to be, you know, Nicola Sturgeon's man, essentially. He's just, I think the phrase he uses is he's his own man. Um, but he is also very keen to, for example, in the hustings, which I'll probably go on and s- to speak about on Wednesday in uh, Cumbernauld, he was very uh, kind of complimentary of Nicola Sturgeon, talking about how she's the most intelligent politician he's ever worked with, very keen to align himself to Nicola Sturgeon and her administration. I think Kate Forbes setting herself up as a more pro-business, pro-economic growth candidate, although she denies that she would move the party to the right. Um, it's something she actually said to me in Inverness that uh, that's not her position. She sees herself as being on the left, but there's undoubtedly a more pro-business focus to her campaign. And particularly on things like oil and gas, she's a lot more friendly to the oil and gas sector than, for example, Nicola Sturgeon was. It's You've interesting, Ash Reagan. Oh, sorry, sorry, I'll just, just give yeah. Ash Reagan her, 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 her go. She was, I think she's essentially the setting herself up as a candidate for change, pitching herself towards those who are disillusioned with the current leadership, who are impatient on independence. So that's the kind of key differences between them. Sorry, what were you, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, it's interesting that um, when you look at Kate Forbes and Hamza Youssef, they, they arguably represent the sturgeon salmon, uh variants of the SNP over the last 16 years, in the sense that Hamza Youssef is very much this liberal, progressive, not suggesting that Kate Forbes doesn't also hold these views, but these are what drives his agenda is this progressive, you know, um, child care policies, social policies, while obviously maintaining the independent stuff in the background. But it's, it's very much that he, he pitches to the left of Kate Forbes, who has a very, I think you even said it to me, a very new labour-y pitch, um, which is what Alex Salmon kind of built the SNP upon initially, which is this friendly to business, pro-economic growth, um, competent. She said the word competent yesterday in a in a press huddle that she had after a visit to speak to some Ukrainian refugees. You know, she uses the word competent more times than I think any other candidate does, because that's where she views herself differentiating from Hamza Youssef. But it is interesting, isn't it? I think that the two of them represent different wings of what has been an exceptionally uh, successful SNP over the last 16 years in in government and at elections. And it's effectively a battle, you know, if we discount Ash Reagan, who I think most people will accept is a, is a rank outsider, but it's a battle between those wings going forward on how the SNP is set to govern until 2026. I think it's an interesting um, break from the Sturgeonite tradition from Kate Forbes. Yeah, I mean, I think she's very much of that, as you say, that uh, kind of old school Alex Salmond approach. And she's getting support from people like Fergus Ewing, actually, I saw today. Um, coming out and supporting, he's obviously a, an SNP backbencher, a former SM, a former senior SNP minister, very critical of aspects of Nicola Sturgeon's government, spoken out on issues like the deposit return scheme, alcohol advertising, the, the kind of plans for restrictions in alcohol advertising, the failure of the SNP to duel the A9 to the timetable they'd initially laid out. 
He's been very critical from the backbench. He's not afraid to speak his mind. And he's very much seen as on the right of the party, you know, much more pro-business, much more pro a focus on the economy than perhaps Nicola Sturgeon was, who is maybe more kind of, like you say, aligned to this vision that Hamza Yusuf is setting out of continuing that, what he would see as that progressive approach um, and that kind of progressive focus of Nicola Sturgeon's government. So there is this interesting, actually it is a kind of interesting ideological debate that's happening in the SNP now and probably long overdue for the party to have an internal discussion about stuff like this. And I think Ash Reagan, she obviously, she paints herself as the outsider. You know, she's quite happy to say that. I think that works in her favour for her, the campaign that she wants to run because she's seeing herself as the as the break, the big break from the current SNP leadership and perhaps attracting people who would maybe be more sympathetic to the Alaba style of uh, pro-independence campaigning. People who, as I say, are impatient for independence, who think the the current administration has not gone fast enough. Uh, and also, maybe come on to this when we talk about the the one hustings that we've had so far that was held on Wednesday, but uh, she's very much pitching on stuff like gender reform, which is her views on that are obviously very different to Nicola Sturgeon's. Absolutely. Um, it's, let's, let's move on to the hustings, given that that was only um, Wednesday. It feels like a long time ago. It was, in fact, only two days ago. I had the joy of having to, to watch that um, at seven o'clock at night, which is always a fun thing to do with anyone's evening. Um, and it's your job tonight to do the same. Um, but it, I, th- I think it's probably fair to say that the three candidates performed in the way that one would expect, in the sense that, you know, Kate Forbes was arguably the most polished performer of the three. Hamza Youssef came across very well. Um, and you had a, a clear kind of two joint front runners, if you like, with Ash Reagan, you know, in the background. Having said that, a lot of people on Twitter were suggesting that, you know, they were most impressed by Ash Reagan, you know, coming across as honest and and down to earth, whereas the other two are arguably over-polished. Um, but it was one where they clashed over strategy for independence. I mean, in our both today, Hamza Yusuf is set to say more on his independent strategy, so we'll, we'll, we'll get more on, on his point. But Kate Forbes used it, didn't she, to outline more of what she's trying to put forward to the membership, which is, in effect, fighting the next general election on the grounds of calling for a mandate for the transfer of power to hold a referendum. So it's the the transfer of power that she wishes to happen in the first three months after that election result, not the actual referendum. I wonder what you make of that as a strategy and also their performances as a whole on on uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, I think I think it was interesting to see the hustings. And, uh, you know, I have to say at this moment, I am uh, not looking forward to spending my Friday night watching, <laughs> uh, watching it again. But it, again, it will be interesting. Um, and initially there was a row over the SNP um, trying to hold these behind closed doors without any media access, without any uh, kind of ability for the wider public to watch these hustings. They obviously did a U-turn on that after a backlash primarily from the media for understandable reasons. Um, but it was a good chance to see the candidates making their pitch directly to the members and to see how their pitches went down in the room. I mean, it's obviously just one room in Cumbernauld, mm-hmm. one hall, but it, it was interesting. And I thought on independence, obviously various visions getting set out, Hamza Yusuf trying to move away from Nicola Sturgeon's de facto referendum approach, essentially putting the focus on growing support for independence. Kate Forbes doing much the same thing, to be honest. I mean, again, putting the focus on building sustained majority support for independence. Uh, And also, like you say, having this uh, comment she made about 
requesting the transfer of powers for a referendum within three months of general election if the SNP win. But that's not that different from Nicola Sturgeon's position in terms of uh, basically requiring that transfer of power for a referendum to take place. And Ash Reagan, kind of the outsider again with her views on independence, she's got this uh, strategy that she calls the voter empowerment mechanism that basically means... It's the them. The them, (laughs) which basically means that, yeah, if the SNP win a majority of votes, majority of seats in any election going forward, they would start those independence negotiations on day one of the new parliament. To say the least, it's not clear how that would work in practice in any meaningful sense when it comes to getting independence, because you do need, you know, the UK government to come to the negotiating table if you're going to have independence in any meaningful sense. Um, But I think the other dividing lines that were interesting, gender recognition, gender reforms, Hamza Yusuf, very supportive of them, saying that he would, well, his position is that they they should take the UK government to court to over their decision to block Nicola Sturgeon's gender reforms from becoming law. Kate Forbes not saying that, eventually, essentially saying that she would seek legal advice on this, but she's a lot more cool in it than Hamza Yusuf. And she said in the past that she has significant concerns over self-identification and um, that she doesn't think this is a priority for the Scottish people. And you've got Ash Reagan, who makes this a central plank of her campaign, really. She's the minister that resigned over gender reforms. Uh, one of the only, if not the only SNP minister that resigned on an issue of conscience. Um, and she basically doesn't, doesn't want to defend these reforms at all, doesn't want to take the UK government to court, thinks the Scottish government would lose if they went down that route. Uh, and it's, I thought it was really interesting that her response got a very muted response in the room. There was barely any applause compared to Hamza Yusuf and compared to Kate Forbes. It's just, and I think that's interesting because up until this point, we've not really known what the SNP membership thinks about issues like gender reform. But if you took that one hustings, as I say again, it's only one hustings as an indicator, the signs are not positive for Ash Reagan. And the final thing I'd say is that um, the kind of issue of gay marriage and Kate Forbes' socially conservative religious views, which have dogged the first part of her SNP leadership campaign, uh, where probably they were obliquely referred to by Hamza Yusuf, Hamza Yusuf in what was probably the only dig, direct dig at another candidate of, of the campaign so far, or of those hustings, when he essentially said something like, you know, you, you want people, LGBT people, to be able to look the next First Minister in the eye and know that they'll defend their rights uh, and believe in their rights, essentially, which seems like a very uh, a very obvious dig at Kate Forbes' position on that. Um, but yeah, it, it was interesting. It was interesting. I think you, you mentioned the gender stuff, and that, that was the one that you're absolutely right to highlight, kind of got the most differing reaction. I think, I think you know, you watch a hustings like this, particularly when it's in front of a friendly audience, which is all SNP members. First and foremost, it's about speaking to them, not to the people watching. Um, hence why there was a lot of focus on independence. But on gender, you're right, that was the most obvious kind of dividing line on a policy other than the independence strategy. And I think that Hamza Youssef made the point that it should be a point of principle for the nas- for nationalists in general to challenge this sort of block by uh, the UK government, which got a very positive response. Even Kate Forbes, I think, you know, said, as you as you mentioned, you know, was that a little bit less positive about it, but said clearly that it was a point of principle effectively to look at whether or not we should do this. She made a very interesting kind of 
shift on that. So whereas Hamza Yusuf went, we need to, you know, take the government to court. Um, Cape Falls went, well, we can sort it out ourselves because we will act as an independent country, which naturally I think got got very well received by um, the membership. And you're right, Ash Reagan's response uh, did not go down well. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see whether or not that's repeated over the next few months or the next few weeks. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that this contest goes on until the summer. That's, uh, I that's think. <laughs> I think the interesting thing as well will be when we get to those TV debates. So the first one's Mm -hmm. happening on Tuesday, held by STV. And one of the interesting aspects of that will be the candidates having a chance to kind of cross-examine each other. Uh, And you'd think that they wouldn't want to go in too heavily just because it looks a bit divisive, uh, potentially uh, those kind of aggressive attacks on each other. You'd have the opposition making hay out of them. But you only have to look back to the Tory leadership contest last summer to see that these things can get a bit personal and a bit aggressive you can, you can look at those exchanges those exchanges between Liz Truss and Rishi Sunak to see an example of that so I think that'll be interesting to see how they handle that when it comes to directly questioning each other and directly putting each other on the spot over policy and over their differences absolutely well talk, talking of the Tory leadership uh, contest and Rishi Sunak let's hear the latest from Alexander Brown our Westminster correspondent on all things Sue Gray Northern Ireland and Matt Hancock My name is Alexander Brown. I am the Scotsman's Westminster correspondent. And Rishi Sunak has only gone and bloody done it. Despite claims to contrary and being an impossible job, he has managed to not so much rewrite the Northern Ireland Protocol as throw it in the bin. And in doing so, leave Boris Johnson's chances of mounting a comeback for the leadership in tatters. I think it is worth noting that this is possibly the greatest achievement thus far of Mr Sunak's tenure, not that, you know, there are that many other things to put up against it. That time he managed to actually wear a seatbelt. The time that he didn't get handed a fixed penalty notice. All variants uh, upon that. Northern Ireland, hopefully, will now be able to have a government that sits. It remains to be seen what the DUP think of the deal, but with the Green Lanes uh, system whereby products will be able to go in there basically on the same day that they get they would be in the United Kingdom, and the ease in which trade has now been enabled, I think the seven tests uh, demanded by the DUP have been met. So do quite a few hardline Brexiteers. I know that Michael Fabricant has said they need two weeks to decide, but on the looks of it, Mr Sunak has secured major concessions and delivered a protocol which, and I know that these things are silly and it's just what they're saying, but he has delivered a deal that genuinely does work for the people of Northern Ireland, which many thought impossible. And I think you can tell how good it is from the fact that Labour said we'd support it, you know, whatever, and the SNP said, well, (laughs) Stephen Flynn stood up in the comments and went, we'll obviously support it, but I think it just points to the fact that Brexit is so rubbish, let's not forget it's their mistake, it's their mess, which is obviously true. That is a valid point. Uh, Brexit is very much the Conservative Party's baby. The former Prime Minister has said that he probably couldn't vote for the deal. And this is, I mean, this is a real blow to him. His supporters had hoped that he could have a comeback, that the deal would be, be able to be scuppered by these angry, hardline backbenchers. And if you haven't seen, I think it is worth seeking out Steve Baker's interview on Newsnight, where Steve Baker, one of the Spartans, one of the hardline Brexiteers, now a Northern Ireland minister, said basically just how much it meant to him 
and how he just felt such relief and how the last seven years had taken such an enormous toll on him mentally, how his mental health had struggled, he'd been depressed and anxious and how hard it was leading rebellions and he just felt that they'd done it. And I, I think it, regardless of your views on the Brexit and the European question, I thought it was quite lovely to see someone so at peace and feeling like an, a, a whole traumatic and argumentative part of their life is over. And I think it showed a little bit of the t- real toll there is on politicians. Elsewhere in Labourland, Sue Gray, bloody Sue Gray, the karaoke queen herself, may be a new chief of staff for Sir Keir Starmer. The only issue is it has to be approved by a committee whether she can leave the civil service uh, and then go to work for the Labour Party. Who is the ultimate person who has to sign off on that deal? It's only Rishi Sunak. So he now she now could say that she's going. She's resigned from the civil service. Labour Party could get this, you know, fantastic big name to show that they're ready for government or or it could be blocked and it could all be for nothing. Oh, and there were also the Matt Hancock messages, which I'm sure you've all seen, where he gave all of his messages to Isabel Oakeshott, a journalist best known for sharing leaked cables that she absolutely should not have done, which saw the resignation of, I think, the ambassador to America. This time, she was given them to co-write a book with Mr Hancock and has then just essentially given them to the Telegraph to write stories instead. It was probably worth it for Mr Hancock, though, because I think his book has sold less than 4,000 copies, so well done to him. All in all, bad things happening to bad people, but the deal, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, For all that and more, stay tuned to thescotsman.com. And until next week, uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you very much to Alex there for a fantastic roundup of all the goings on in Westminster. I think it's been a massively busy week for him as much as it's been a busy week for us. And Alistair, let's, let's finish today off by talking about what can only really fairly be described as the end of an era, not only for the SNP, but for Scottish politics, in the decision of John Swinney and the Deputy First Minister to stand down um, from government when a new First Minister is chosen. I mean, to give listeners who might not be aware of his longevity, he's been around for getting on three decades in frontline politics. He's been, he was leader of the SNP um, between 2000 and 2004 when they were in opposition. He's been in government for 16 years. He's been deputy first minister for nine. He is a towering figure of the SNP and of Scottish politics, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, like you say, this is a real end of an era moment for the modern SNP. John Swinney is one of those figures that has been there uh, in government, like you say, for 16 years. He's a kind of cornerstone of the modern nationalist movement, uh, also seen as one of Nicola Sturgeon's closest political allies and probably closest one of her closest friends in politics. Uh, really somewhere that someone that's been there by her side during the pandemic, during the Alex Salmon saga. Uh, they've, <laughs> to put it bluntly, they've been through a lot together politically. Um, so I think this is a real end of an era. Uh, I think from John Swinney's point of view, it's probably not a surprise that he wanted to leave in the sense that I think when he said he wasn't going to stand for first minister, he spoke of you know getting new faces in, the next generation of SNP politicians. Uh, and he, so he probably saw an exit for himself as well. Uh, and I think you know he's been quite open about the fact that he has been looking for a way out. Um, and I think, don't want to dwell on this too much, but it is a, a matter of public record that um, his wife has health problems. He's got his own family to, to think about as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's an end of an era. Uh, I think it's a mark of just how much Scottish politics is going to change in the coming years. Um, and yeah, it's a, 
I think the announcement yesterday was a surprise, but as I say, not a surprise that he is uh, that he was on his way out. A lot of people on the opposition are pointing at it, particularly the fact that Nicola Sturgeon has resigned. That is a huge loss to to the SNP. John Swinney, you know, acts as a bit of an enforcer within the Scottish cabinet. He's he's, he's extremely well respected, very well liked among MSPs on all sides of the of political colours. And there's some opposition commentators and politicians who are looking at this and going, you know, I think the, the phrase of, of Blair McDougall, the, the, the no campaign lead in 2014, you know, non-pejoratively just enjoyed the pun, but said it was Nats leaving the sinking ship. Do you think that that's a fair critique that, that, that you know, these, these politicians, these senior politicians, are, you know, Angus Robertson, you can include Keith Brown as well, who haven't gone for the leadership, that they're seeing the writing on the wall? Do you think that's slightly unfair? Uh, I mean, I think that's, that's certainly how the, their opposition would want to paint it. I think there is an element of just seeing that, uh, I mean, someone like John Swinney has been in politics for a long time. You know, someone, you, you do have a shelf life in politics. Eventually, you do want to do other things. And um, particularly if you're in a senior role in government, it is all consuming. I think he was talking about in interviews how he's had to have his phone by his side, you know, cancel events, not turn up to family things that he'd agreed to just because of that all-consuming role in, in government. So I think you do eventually have to stop doing it at some point. And he, he's put a shift in. You've got to say that about him. It's not like he's it's not like he's not put a shift in. Um, but, you know, I, there definitely is an element of the government not having its problems to seek. There's a lot of problems of policy at the moment on the horizon. Um, I mean, the deposit return scheme, I'll, I'll just use an example because it's been in uh, kind of dominating Hollywood politics for the, for the last few days. Um, it's like a flagship recycling scheme that's become mired in all sorts of problems. There's lots of businesses that are speaking out against it, particularly smaller businesses who basically view it as potentially, you know, risking their livelihoods. Um, so the government has faced a lot of pushback on that. Um, there's stuff like the National Care Service, which again, a flagship SNP policy, is being criticised by trade unions, council leaders, various Holyrood committees. There's lots of question marks over its final cost, over what it might even look like in the end. Um, so there are certainly a lot of problems that they're leaving their their predecessors to handle. But that that's politics, isn't it? That's the nature of politics. And you do have to make way at some point for the next generation uh, to come in and make their mark. And I think, you know, we are a couple of years out from the next Hollywood election, not until 2026. If you're going to have a changing of the guard, I think that is a good time to do it, to give them a chance to bed in and uh, become known by the public before uh, people go to the polls and people make a decision at the next Hollywood election. So as I say, you've got to do it at some point. Um, it might have been a surprise that it happened at this precise moment, but it was no secret in Scottish politics that this changing of the guard was coming up soon. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Alistair, very much. Um, I'm, I'm being judged, I think, by a, a group of what I think are crows um, or potentially black ravens. I can't, my ornithology is poor, but they all started shouting at me. So that may be all the time we've, we've got for, for this episode of the Steamy Live, if you like, from Arbroath. Sunny, beautiful Arbroath. Alistair, thank you very much for joining us as always. You at home, if you want to know exactly when the Steamy comes out, you can sign up to Scotsman Newsletters by going to scotsman.com slash newsletters, ticking that box with politics in it, popping your email address in and saying submit. There are tons of other newsletters you can sign up to, such as sport, golf, football, news, and all the other things that the great people at Scotsman 
cover. Alison, thanks again for joining us. Um, thank you very much for listening, and it's goodbye from me in Sunny Arbor. Bye bye.